You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is the sermon recording from this week's service, but first, here are the readings. A reading from Isaiah. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Matthew's Gospel. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you ought to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what they had been what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, who said, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took her as his wife. This is the word of the Lord. You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. And now for this week's sermon. Good evening. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord. Amen. So I want to start this sermon with a short quiz. Who can tell me where this is? Northumberland Street, a bit more specific? Phoenix, yes, that's it. So going to see the Phoenix window has been a great Christmas tradition in Newcastle for over 40 years. And I'm sure many of you can remember some of your favorites. Does anyone remember this window from their childhood? Going back a few years. So this is Goldilocks and Three Bears. Anyone remember that? No, perhaps not. Okay, perhaps a bit more recently. What about this one? Some people remember Paddington. This one? Snowman, classic. This one? Bit of Beatrix Potter. What about this one? It's a little bit blurry, but look closely. Can you remember what year this is? 
So this is the year that Phoenix decided to do away with the typical choices of childhood classics such as Beatrix Potter, The Snowman, or Paddington Bear. This was the year that someone on the committee had a seriously severe cheese dream and decided, hey, do you know what says Christmas? A family of aliens wearing Newcastle United t-shirts landing in the middle of Toon Park. Unsurprisingly, the general public were a little confused at its unveiling. There are very few images of it on the internet when I tried to find it, and this was the best that I could find. It's obviously quite blurry, and maybe that's a good thing, so that this episode in Phoenix Window's fine history is quickly forgotten. But for the purposes of tonight's sermon, I want us to remember this particular Phoenix Window for an important reason. Just imagine, thousands of people look forward to the unveiling of Phoenix Window every year. The theme is always a closely guarded secret. People of every generation, young and old, queue for however long just to get a glimpse of the spectacle behind the panes of glass. The curtains are drawn and aliens, green aliens, green aliens in Newcastle United football shirts stare back at them. Now the vast majority of people looking at this display were pretty confused. I don't think many people revisited the window for a second or third look that year. It was totally unexpected, pretty bizarre. It was almost a bit disappointing. I think many Israelites who had carefully divined scripture, waited thousands of years in keen expectation of a Messiah, must have felt somewhat similar when they were presented with a man. No, a baby, born in a barn. To earthly parents who surely invoked the remarks of, wow, they were quick off the mark and starting a family after the wedding. As far as spectacles go, a baby in a manger was totally unexpected. Pretty bizarre. It was almost a bit disappointing. No wonder so many Israelites didn't believe it. As readers of this story over 2,000 years later, we Christians are given the benefit of knowing that this baby does grow up as Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel, literally God with us. In his life, he performed miracles, he healed the sick, he fed the poor, gave sermons that terrified Pharisees, and even defeated death. But it all started with a small baby in a manger. It must have taken tremendous faith to trust that all the prophecies and all the signs had pointed to this moment. I find signs interesting, or rather how we perceive signs. I can bet that many of us have said in our lives, Lord, just give me a sign. It usually happens when we are faced with uncertainty. Lord, just give me a sign that I've passed my exams. Lord, just give me a sign that I've gotten into university. Lord, just give me a sign that I've gotten that job. Lord, just give me a sign that my loved one will beat this illness. We ask for signs that offer us reassurance that God is listening, present in our lives, and will ensure that everything will be all right. We often ask for something visual so that we can see it with our own eyes and believe. 
When we see a sign, we feel elated. But if we don't, we can feel dejected, perhaps rejected, and our faith may even falter a little bit. Many of you may believe very strongly in signs, whether through personal experience or your understanding of scripture. Others among you may feel that signs hold little importance in life. Destiny is determined and beyond our control, so signs are pointless as they don't change the outcome. Two such individuals who had very different responses to signs from God are King Ahaz and Joseph, the husband of Mary. I'd like to spend some time unpacking the challenges they faced and how they responded to signs from God. So first, let's take a step back into the Old Testament at our reading from Isaiah by adding some context and explaining the story. King Ahaz is the king of Judah and he was facing military, military threats from neighboring countries. So you can see Judah in the brown just in the bottom there. So the Syrian army were marching towards Judah from the north, and that's the green area, marching into Judah and Jerusalem. The Edomites were already crossing the border from the south, and the Philistines were closing in from the west. So it was a pretty difficult situation to be in for King Ahaz. As a solution, he decided to go to the temple of Molech, the god of war, and he did the unthinkable. He sacrificed his son to Molech, believing that it would help him win the war. In the meantime, God sent Isaiah to Ahaz's palace. When King Ahaz returned to the temple post-sacrifice, Isaiah knows exactly what he's done and rebukes him for losing faith in God. He then gives Ahaz reassurance that the God of Israel would act to save Judah and never let Jerusalem fall. But Ahaz does not believe this. So Isaiah instructs him to ask God for a sign, any sign, so that he may see and understand the presence of God and have faith. But in such dire circumstances, with the odds of political and military success stacked severely against him, Ahaz decides not to take the risk of believing that God will be his salvation. After all, if that God did exist, why was Judah in such a mess in the first place? He would be far better off believing in the God of war, Molech, that had brought so much military success to the great kingdom of Assyria. So instead, Ahaz declines Isaiah's offer of asking for a sign. Isaiah then makes uh, the well-known prophecy known. He says this to Ahaz, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And then Isaiah then leaves. Afterwards, by agreeing a coalition with the Assyrian king, Ahaz goes on to win the battles against the Edomites and the Philistines. But in return, he agrees that the king of Assyria can place idols of Molech throughout Jerusalem and that sacrifices can be offered to Molech within the temples of Jerusalem. It's a pretty dire compromise. Ahaz dies shortly after this, and Hezekiah, another of his sons, becomes a king much more capable of leading Judah out of such difficult times. 
Oh, and Ahaz also happens to be the descendant of King David and therefore a relative of Jesus. His rejection of a sign from God so that he may have faith in Ahaz could win the battle against such overwhelming odds leads Israel into such dark times, politically, economically, and spiritually. So now let's step forward into the New Testament and focus on our reading from Matthew. It is a well-known reading that takes little explanation as it crops up so often at this time of year. Joseph finds out that Mary, his fiance, is pregnant, but knows that he had nothing to do with it. He wants to brush the whole thing quietly under the carpet and break off his engagement to Mary quietly so as to avoid scandal for both of them and their families. Instead, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream, telling him of the Immaculate Conception and instructs him to call the child Emmanuel. God is with us. Joseph doesn't dismiss the dream. Instead, when he wakes, he takes the message he was given very seriously, so much so that he travels with his pregnant wife through countries, avoiding persecution, and ensuring that such a precious baby makes it into the world safely and grows up. He could have so easily dismissed this dream as, I ate too much cheese before bed, but he doesn't. His faith in God ensures that he pays attention and he acts. Ahaz and Joseph have two completely different reactions to signs. One man rejects them and places faith in whatever he sees will offer him success. The other man accepts them, allowing his faith in God to determine how he will act upon receiving them. But what does this mean for us right now, three days away from Christmas? Instead of this sermon following my usual style of encouraging you all to enter a deep state of introspection and challenge yourself to tweak how you may be living your lives to better serve God, tonight I'd like for us to simply take a moment to fully acknowledge and appreciate what a miracle Christmas actually is. It's so easy for us to get lost at this time of year. We're busy trudging around loud stores, sweatily buying random gifts, fighting with wrapping paper, agonizing over whether brandy sauce is vegan for your daughter-in-law, panicking about whether the scented candle in the shape of a snowman really does say how much you love your Auntie Linda. It, this isn't a tirade against consumerism, but rather a gentle call to say stop. Take a minute. Think about what Christmas is really about. Christmas is about Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. It is the start of him coming to walk the earth for 33 years, building relationship with us, teaching us, dying for us, and ultimately saving us from death by his grace. You see, I believe that we don't have to look for signs anymore. By accepting God's grace, there's no more need for prophets like Isaiah. By accepting God's grace, we don't need to look to the stars to divine the coming of salvation. By provision 
of grace through Christ's death on the cross. All that has already happened. We no longer have to sit and wait with uncertainty. But I'm not saying for a minute that life is a piece of cake or that all your problems will disappear when you welcome God into your lives. But take a minute to really think about this. We have a God that we can know and talk to right now. Interested in us. Helping us to grow as individuals who can witness God's goodness into the world. Accepting us fully, regardless of our race, our nationality, our gender, our sexual orientation. Regardless of our physical abilities, our mental health issues, our employment status, the size of our paycheck, or our views on Brexit. Isn't that incredible? I mean, really, isn't that incredible? It may sound corny, it may sound cheesy, it may sound too simple, but leaving all fancy theological debate aside for a moment, grace is a gift that none of us ever saw coming, but that we ought to be eternally grateful for. And it all started on that night in which a small baby came into our world, wrapped in blankets, placed into the feeding troughs of animals as a father, a mother, two shepherds, three wise men, several other farm animals and a donkey looked on. It's unexpected. It's pretty bizarre. Almost as bizarre as if a spaceship full of Newcastle United supporting aliens landed at St. James's, St. James's Park and offer us, offered us a free ride to a new planet filled with only peace, joy and love. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. To find out more about what we do, head across to our website, www.northernlightsmcc.org.uk.